Thank you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 57. We will be getting into the excellent analysis my students did with Ada Limon's poem, How to Triumph Like a Girl Today. I really can't wait. Not only did students consistently note how small details contribute to some big meaning in the poem, but a number had some very clever things to say about how structural elements, like punctuation, support a big whole poem reading, which is just a bunch of good stuff. We also have a new poem, When Great Trees Fall by Maya Angelou. It was originally published in her collection, I Shall Not Be Moved, in 1990. Angelou is a giant of American poetics, earning a Pulitzer Prize nomination, countless awards, and being only the second poet to deliver a poem at the inauguration of a president. Robert Frost had been the first to do so 30 years earlier. Today's poem is about figures like her, as well as those who are giants in our own lives. Before we can get to Maya Angelou, we must explore how to triumph like a girl. There was a bunch of solid analysis in my students' responses, so let's give the poem another listen so that it will be fresh in mind. How to Triumph Like a Girl by Ada Limon I like the lady horses best. How they make it all look easy, like running 40 miles per hour is as fun as taking a nap, or grass. I like their lady horse swagger after winning. Here's up, girls, here's up. But mainly, let's be honest, I like the ladies. As if this big dangerous animal is also part of me. That somewhere inside the delicate skin of my body there pumps an eight-pound female horse heart, giant with power, heavy with blood. Don't you want to believe it? Don't you want to lift my shirt and see the huge beating genius machine that thinks, no, it knows, it's going to come in first. Well, the reading of the poem is, of course, a little bit different than when my daughter does it, but the analysis that my students had was phenomenal regardless. One thing I found really interesting, that a number of students made personal connections to this poem, connecting to how they read it and how they experience it. And I don't know, I really like that. I like that connection the students can have with poetry, something that isn't always super familiar. A student pointed to the line, ears up girls, ears up, and said that to me, I thought of this as telling yourself to keep your head up, no matter what, no matter the moment. And another student read this poem as having a definite connection with femininity. The speaker is indicating the competitiveness that comes with being a woman. And I think part of this response is to note that this isn't just a horse, but it is specifically a race horse, a horse in competition. Another student points out that this is a female horse being compared to humans, women specifically. And as a result, this creates an idea that if the horse can do something, can achieve something, then the reader can also. Another student pointed out that when they reread this poem, it really gives you a boost of power, like that you get that fierceness that the horse has, and you get to own that a little bit yourself. Another length of line that said how they make it all look easy, like running 40 miles per hour is as fun as taking a nap or grass. And the student notes that school, socializing, all of that can look easy, especially from the outside world, I think, for adults whose concerns and challenges are very different. But the student notes that actually being there, actually doing it at the time, carries a lot more effort. We want to believe that those kind of high school stakes are easy, but they aren't. And a student especially liked the line that said, inside the delicate skin of. 
They said, I love this quote because it shows that just because she's small and delicate doesn't mean she's not big and fierce like a horse on the inside. And a number of students had this connection to frailty. A student wrote that Limon gives the idea that even though you may be fragile and delicate on the outside, you can have a strong horse-like heart. An additional student builds on, saying that the juxtaposition of a mighty heart beating inside the delicate skin of the speaker's body suggests that you do not have to be athletic or muscular, but rather have a strong determination and will to finish a task. That Ada Limon states that although you have fragile qualities, the power you own is greater than it. Realizing this will make you victorious. Another student says that women come off sometimes as dainty and fragile, but inside are strong, driven, confident, and powerful. This transition from delicate skin of my body to giant with power shows exactly that. And a logical connection to this was so many responses that dealt with the stereotypes associated with gender and this frailty in particular. A student wrote that even something as delicate as a lady horse can be aggressive, just like a male can be. And another says that her emotional strength is represented by the horse's muscular body, which is able to endure pain and be better than males. A student writes that the author compares the speaker, who has the connotation of a small girl, to a grown horse who, despite her gender, still is very strong and fast. And another writes that when Limon states, Let's be honest, I like that they're ladies. This shows that she is proud of what they have accomplished because people underestimate women a lot. And finally, on the subject of stereotypes, a student writes that the moment where it says, this big dangerous animal is part of me, it shows that she's powerful and dangerous like a horse. And the student says that this challenges stereotypes of women being weak or men being superior. And this dangerousness, by the way, was commented by a student as well, noting that this isn't a degree of being threatening. Instead, this is something to watch out for, to not be in the way of. And this leads to an avenue of analysis focused specifically on the confidence that comes out of this poem. A student notes that the line that says, part of me, female horse heart giant with power, she feels some type of connection, even if she may look tame on the outside like a horse, she still has the same amount of power as this hardworking creature on the inside. I really like, by the way, that she uses hardworking. Horses are workers, even in sport, they are athletes and they are pushing their bodies hard for purpose, and I think that can be overlooked in the same way it's sometimes overlooked with women. A student writes that the poem refers to the heart that is inside of her as a huge, beating, genius machine, and this shows that the speaker thinks highly of herself. This may also mean that she is very appreciative of what she has because she thinks so highly of what is inside of her. A student writes that with the mention of the heart coming in first, the heart could be a symbol of this kind of internal power. She, too, is as strong as a female horse and tells you to lift her shirt up, to see her heart, if you don't believe it. This is a, a challenge to the reader to like test her power. I dare you. A student writes that when the speaker says, I like that they're ladies, when she's writing about the horses winning, I believe the speaker is telling us about how women are strong, powerful, dedicated, and confident. And at other points to the fact that there's actually a little bit of humor in here. 
the student says that by comparing running 40 miles an hour to taking a nap or grass, it shows a degree of confidence in the will, the idea that a task can seem less daunting and be accomplished with ease, so much so, in fact, it seems, that we can kind of brush it off and dismiss it. The student writes that the poet admires or the speaker admires how the female horses make it all look easy. And thinking that those horses are part of her is encouraging to herself. With another on this topic noting that the line says, the thinks, no, it knows. It shows maybe a second of uncertainty right there at the end, but it's immediately overtaken by a powerful confidence that returns. And this particular comma here, I think, is a useful place to jump into one of my favorite sections in, of analysis is how is this thing structured to create meaning? It's not always the most obvious way we can look at a poem and work through it, but it's phenomenal that students are attempting to do so, so much. In fact, I got more of these than I really ever expected. On this particular line, a student says that the abrupt no in thinks, no, it knows, gives off a feeling of changing perspective. It's removing the negativity and allowing some positivity to penetrate the mind instead. One student had a lot to say about the commas, so I'm just going to read a section of it. They write, The author uses the placements of commas to make it seem like the speaker is just having a confident and casual conversation. But mainly, let's be honest, that moment, the commas make it seem as if there is an actual conversation between the reader and the speaker. It gives an illusion of a moment for the reader to respond in between the thoughts. And then we have at the end that thinks, no, it knows. The commas here add to the tone of the poem, which is vibrant and confident. And I couldn't agree more with this reading. I dig it. I love it. Another student writes that the poet uses punctuation to emphasize and emotionalize the text. The line that says, ears up, ladies, ears up. It uses an exclamation point that adds a bit of drama and an upbeat sort of excitement. And then later... Want to believe it? That questioning, that challenge to look beneath the chest and see the heart. The student says that the question adds that emotion and auditory imagery and also gives off a feeling of excitement and empowerment. This latter line, this question, don't you want to believe it, is it's written as a question at the end according to a student, and Lehman here is suggesting how determined and confident the speaker is by using a period instead of a question mark, stating that sentence as a fact. A student writes that the speaker also uses lengthy sentences here by connecting ideas with commas as if she's ranting about this feeling. And I'm going to make a side note. We associate rant with kind of a negative connotation, but I think here that the student doesn't intend it that way. Finally, a student observes that this poem doesn't have any stanza break. It's just one stanza. And so according to them, it seems as though the poem is moving faster and the horse seems to move faster with it. I love all these readings. These are great. Um, and we had some big top level readings as well, but what is this poem saying overall? One student writes in the poem, How to Triumph Like a Girl by Ada Limon, the speaker empowers women regardless of animal, and shows that they are capable of anything. Another writes that the speaker shows a sense of empowerment by comparing the stamina and force of a grown female horse 
to the dreams and fantasies of a human woman. And yeah, I have nothing else to add. I agree with all of that, and I love it, and I'm proud of it, and I'm excited for more of it. Wonderful stuff. For our writing task this week, I want us to flex our quotation-using muscles. Your task this week is to include two quotations in a single sentence. Keep in mind that this sentence needs to do more than just include quotation marks. It needs to say something about your, what you're quoting. I suggest you use very short quotations, which should make it easier to integrate into your sentence, while still having something to say about them. I'm including a Google drawing on the assignment that models how to select and use quotations, including using two quotes in one sentence. I encourage you to check it out as a reference. Now, this week's poem is rather concerned with our senses, so it seems appropriate to have our secret passphrase be the word imagery. However, there's one trick to imagery. I do not want you to use the word by itself. Not here, not ever. You can mention a specific category of imagery, four of which we've been using in class, auditory, visual, subjective, tactile, or you can add a descriptive word before it. In the last week's poem, I could have said the poet uses biological imagery, for example. I'll include a Google drawing with some examples for this as well. Reading When Great Trees Fall by Maya Angelou is a friend, Carrie Millico. When great trees fall, rocks on distant hills shudder, lions tucker down in tall grasses, and even elephants lumber after safety. When great trees fall in forests, small things recoil into silence, their senses eroded by fear. When great souls die, the air around us becomes light, rare, sterile. We breathe briefly. Our eyes briefly see with hurtful clarity. Our memory suddenly sharpens, examines, gnaws on kind words unsaid, promised walks never taken. Great souls die in our reality, bound to them, takes leave of us. Our souls, dependent upon their nurture, now shrink, wizened. Our minds, formed and informed by their radiance, fall away. We are not so much maddened as reduced to the unutterable ignorance of dark, cold caves. And when great souls die, after a peace blooms, slowly and always irregularly, spaces fill with a kind of soothing electric vibration. Our senses restored, never to be the same, whisper to us. They existed, they existed. We can be. Be and be better, for they existed. 
Students, be sure to use the secret passphrase imagery and remember to include a descriptive or categorical word before it. You'll also need two quotations in a single sentence for your writing task. Don't forget that our rubric now requires you to use quotations accurately to earn a point in the rubric. This means quoting the title, using slashes for line and stanza breaks, which we actually have in this week's poem, and not changing the original quotation, unless you know how to use brackets or ellipses. This includes punctuation. If the original poem capitalizes a word or uses a particular punctuation mark, make sure you retain that. Don't remove it, unless it's at the end of the quote, in which case you can cut off that comma or period that ends the quote. You should also keep in mind our previous writing tasks, such as using the poet's last name by itself once you've used the full name, or referring to the speaker and using short quotations. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like the class to direct their eyes toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as companion to class instructional activities and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 57 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.